Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> we have a guest speaker that has never spoken here before. This is a first time. I love this. Karen Buxman has been researching humor for over 30 years. Over 30 years? No, you don't look old enough to be researching anything for over 30 years. It, and what she said was that it's a holistic practice. It's more than one thing. It's just, it's our lives. Um, Karen said that her personal life philosophy is to live amazed and amused. Isn't that lovely? I like that. I'm going to join you in that. I support you fully. As a neurohumorist, she said she's living at the intersection of humor and the brain. And that is very provocative. I love that idea. So I'm in invited Karen to speak with us today about that, to entertain and amuse and bring her wisdom as only she can. Please welcome Karen Buxman. So Jesus, Buddha, and Ernest Holmes walk into a bar. <laughs> and the bartender says, what is this, some kind of a joke? <laughs> Not so much a joke as maybe a laughing matter. What does this bar joke have to do with spirituality? Maybe nothing, <laughs> but maybe everything. So let's take a look for a moment at the three men in this joke. Jesus, what would Jesus do? Do you think Jesus laughs? Do you think Jesus has a sense of humor, right? So much of the depiction of Christ has to do with the narrative of the passion. And so much of what people think about and see is this, you know, this angst and this pain. But Reverend James Martin, he wrote a book called From Heaven to Mirth. And he said that the passion was only one week of Jesus' life. And there's all the rest of this. And that the end point of Christianity is joy. And let's not forget, his very first miracle was at a wedding changing water into wine. This is like the kind of friend you want to have, right? <laughs> yeah, he was beloved by men and women and children. The famous philosopher and Peanuts cartoonist, Charles Schultz, said that nobody would have been invited to dinner as often as Jesus was unless he was really interesting and had a great sense of humor. And that's the Jesus that I keep in my mind. And then we have Buddha. And I depict the laughing Buddha. I didn't realize for the longest time that the laughing Buddha wasn't really the original or first Buddha. Um, the laughing Buddha was a Buddhist monk who upon enlightenment began to laugh and laugh and laughed. He laughed for over 30 years. And as he traveled from town to town, 
he continued to laugh and the people around him would begin to laugh from the contagiousness and the infectious laughter that he had. And when they said to him, you know, teacher, what can you tell us? You know, how can we get enlightenment? He said, this is it. <laughs> this is enough. If you laugh totally, this is meditation. And it was said that many were enlightened and inspired by his laughter. Our reading from Osho. Osho is a, a, an Indian spiritual teacher, guru, writes and wrote and spoke a lot about laughter. But he said, laugh with your whole body. Laugh with your whole being. And you will get a glimpse in this moment the past disappears. The future disappears. The ego disappears. Everything disappears. And in that moment, there's only laughter. How totally zen is that, right? <laughs> right? It's what, what, what this is the nirvana. It's what people are trying to achieve. No thought, no mindedness. Anne Lamott, I love Anne Lamott, wrote Traveling Mercies, one of my favorite books. Help, thanks, wow. If you haven't read it, great book. And she said that laughter is carbonated holiness. <sighs> Doesn't it just feel juicy? And then Ernest Holmes. I was fascinated that every biographical piece that I read about him said that he was witty that he had a great sense of humor. Did you know that the children in his, in his um, town had a, a nickname for him? Happy. He said, seeing joy in everything, I know genuine laughter. And he was no stranger to self-effacing humor. One time, he is giving a, a, a presentation, a lecture, at Beverly Hills Theater. And at one really profound, intense moment during his message, he looked down and then he began to laugh. And he looked up at the audience and he said, you probably wonder why I'm laughing. I just realized I'm wearing two different suits. <laughs> he was wearing the jacket to one and the pants to another. There was a woman who came up to him once and she was lauding him with accolades and went on and on and on. And when she finally stopped, he said, yes, madam. If it weren't for all the rocks in my pockets, surely I would drift heavenward. <laughs> he had a great sense of humor. And we see this in all three of these men. But it's throughout all of the spiritual practices in the Bible, back, I mean, in Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, we, we see this story, hear this story about Abraham and Sarah. I mean, Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah's in her 90s. And they get the word, she's going to have a baby. Woo! <laughs> I think I would have had a heart attack and died right there. Sarah's choice was to laugh and laugh and laugh. She said, God 
has brought me laughter, and all who hear it shall laugh with me. And the baby was named Isaac, which means laughter. Did you know that back in Greek times, Easter was celebrated as Holy Humor Sunday? How cool is that? Because what they were celebrating was God's last laugh on the devil. He pranked the devil (laughs) when he resurrected Jesus from the dead. I just want to give kudos to Patty and to Vision because this CSL is the CSL with a sense of humor. I think, you know, you, you, this was holy humor last year. For those of you who weren't, go back and look this up um, on YouTube because um, Patty invited Jesus to come share a message. And I remember when I walked through the front door how taken aback I was because Jesus was greeting people. And really, I mean, the spirit just moved me. I started to give him a high five, and then I said, oh, oh, sorry. sorry." And he looked, and he goes, no, healed. (laughs) And then at the end of of his message, uh, Reverend Patty asked for one last miracle. And he once again turned water into wine for us. How cool is that? How cool is that? Taoism, Um, Lao Tzu said, when you have made a thought, laugh at it. The Native American tradition, did you know Navajo tradition celebrates a baby's first laugh? How cool. I I think this is a tradition we should reinstate, that people watch the baby carefully and around three months, whoever is the one who is lucky enough to to be um, blessed enough to make the baby laugh is then responsible for throwing a party for the baby. And and really, the baby is supposed to be the host, but obviously, (laughs) what do they know? But to, to celebrate the first laugh, I just, I love that. New thought. Gene Houston said that at the height of laughter, that we are cast, the universe is cast into new possibilities. Abraham Hicks says that laughter may be the most precious um, and profound state of alignment that exists. So we see, whether it's in Christianity or Judaism or Islam, uh, Muhammad said that he who makes his companion's laugh deserves paradise. Um, the Native American, all of these spiritual practices reference laughter and reference joy. It is our birthright. It is who we are. It is part of our integral integrity. It is our authentic self. So are you getting as much of this as you desire? How's that working out for you? If not, why not? Could it be that we have forgotten our birthright? We've forgotten who we really are. My youngest son, Adam, when he was about seven, shared a riddle with me. So see if you can get this one. 
you're the bus driver. And at the first stop, you pick up five people and drop off two. At the second stop, you pick up seven people and you drop off one. At the last stop, you pick up four people and the other people all get off. Now I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them what color are the bus driver's eyes. <laughs> Who in here can tell me for a fact, besides you, Greg, you already know. <laughs> Who in here can tell me for a fact what color the bus driver's eyes were? Yes, ma'am? And why? Because her eyes are blue. The very first line of the riddle is, you are the bus driver. <laughs> right? And isn't this just like real life that we get distracted by unnecessary things that we think are important and then we forget who we really are? You're the bus driver of your own bus. You get to determine where you're going, how you get there, and what your journey is like. But we forget who we are. One of my favorite stories was in the book by Ken Blanchard. What was that called? We Are Beloved about Sachi, a four-year-old girl. And her parents bring home a brand new baby brother. And she starts begging the parents to leave her alone with the baby brother. And at first they're thinking, oh, you know, sometimes toddlers get jealous of their siblings and should we really leave her alone? But she was so insistent and so persistent and she seemed so loving that finally they said, okay, you can be with your baby brother alone. And excited, she runs into the bedroom and she shuts the door, but it doesn't shut all the way. It comes ajar and the parents are curious. So they come and they watch and they listen and they see Sachi go up to her baby brother and she puts her face next to his and she says, baby, can you tell me what God feels like? I'm starting to forget. Do you remember? Do you remember what God feels like? Do you remember what the God in you feels like? Do you remember what God looks like? Last Thanksgiving, I came to Teze, I think that's how you pronounce it, and Diane Russell, minister, oh, you gave a message, and in her lovely message, she talked about her experience as a Sunday school teacher and that she began to ask the children where did you see God this week? And she said, at first, it was a little difficult for them to come up with answers. But as the weeks went by, they started coming up with answers, not just one answer, but multiple answers. Now, when she asked where they saw God, she wasn't reporting, they weren't reporting burning bushes. <laughs> the 
They were reporting God in nature. They were reporting God in their families. They were recording God in all that was around them. Now, as a side note, I'm not sure if Diane was aware of this, but she was actually rewiring their brains. I'm a neurohumorist. I live at the intersection of humor and the brain. And I know what you're thinking. Another neurohumorist. <laughs> but she was rewiring their neurons because when they saw God, it rewired. And the next time they saw God, it rewired again. And neurons that fire together wire together. So as a side note and kind of a plug for this afternoon's workshop, we're going to be talking more about how can you take advantage and how can you rewire your brain for more joy and to experience more of God. A colleague of mine, Joel Goodman, he's the founder of the Humor Project, told me that humor is a childlike perspective in an otherwise serious adult reality. And I love that. How many of you have children? How many of you have recently been around someone else's child? How many of you ever were a child? Okay. <laughs> I recall 1998, traveling with two colleagues around the country, and we were bringing a, a new message that was the message of laughter for no reason. At least at the time, I thought this was new stuff. I hadn't really read about the laughing Buddha. He was way ahead of us. But we were on a 22-city tour. And at the last city, one of our many, many stops was an elementary school of all places. Seems kind of strange to go teach kids about laughter. But we went. And as we walk in, there's a room of children just wiggling and squirming on the floor. They're so excited to see people new. And I started with the introductions. I said, I'm Karen Buxman, and I've traveled from Missouri. And to my right is Steve Wilson, who's come from Ohio. And to his right is Dr. Madan Kataria from India. And Steve asked the kids, anyone here know where India is? And immediately, every child in the room started raising their, I know, I know, pick me, pick me. And they're pushing one another, pick me, pick me and this one little boy in the front he's about to just explode and so so Steve points to him and he says son where's India and the little boy goes I forgot and the little boy next to him shoved him and said I know, pick me. And I said, all right, where's India? And he said, it's right here in Phoenix. I said, I don't think so. And he threw up both hands and said, well, it used to be. <laughs> this childlike perspective, it's in us. We have this. Where is it right now? Can you tap into it? There's a kindergarten art teacher. She's walking around the classroom, and the children are doing an art project, and they're drawing. And at one point, she walks past one little girl, and she is just so intent. And she said, what are you working on? And without looking up, the little girl says, I'm drawing God. And the teacher said, well, 
nobody knows what God looks like. And she said, they will in a minute. <laughs> what does God look like? What does God feel like? It's the highest vibration. And we are vibrational beings. You get that, right? Everything is vibration. Everything. I shared the stage once with Bob Proctor. At, he was in The Secret, and he is someone, if you don't know, he, he teaches a lot about law of attraction. And he said that the law of attraction actually was a secondary law, that the first law was law of vibration. And he said that you attract what you are in harmony with. And so my question to you is, what are you in harmony with? It's the power of thought with the spirit of humor and emotion. Because we know that our thoughts change things. We know that prayer changes things. But it's not just our words. It's our emotions. That's why I want to live amazed and amused. It's the power of thought. It's the spirit of humor. How do we combine those two? It's like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, put them together, you get something good. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but have any of you ever said or wrote an affirmation that you, your heart just wasn't in it? Have you ever had that experience? Is it just me? What could you do to just put a little more emotion into it. So, so I've worked at, at putting together affirmations for myself that make me smile, that make me laugh. And I, I would encourage you to put together your own list. Um, things like, instead of saying, I am abundant. How about, I'm a million dollar baby. <laughs> or, I am a child of God and am deserving of love. Or the universe has a crush on me. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob Glass. That was one of his. It's, Course in Miracles says it's our responsibility to experience joy. We are vibrational beings and we have a, an emotional scale, a vibrational scale. You have tools in your toolbox. Maybe it's gratitude, maybe it's prayer, visualization, meditation. These all work. But if you haven't already, it's time to put humor in that toolbox to experience those things you wish to attain. In my studies, I am so blessed. I have discovered that humor has the power to heal. It has the power to connect. It has the power to influence. And it has the power to enlighten. Speaking of humor and enlightenment, those of you who watched the preview video, I promised I would share with you 
So, how many New Thought followers does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> In a world of infinite possibilities, there's many answers, but let me give you three. How many New Thought followers does it take to change a light bulb? One. She puts her attention to it and sees it done. How many New Thought followers does it take to change a light bulb? None. The bulb is an illusion. <laughs> How many New Thought followers does it take to change a light bulb? None. The bulb is unnecessary because our light shines from within. Living, oh, thank you. <laughs> Living amazed and amused. Amazed and amused. Amazed and amused. It's this childlike perspective that we're reminded of. My youngest son was in second grade, Adam. And in my getting ready for everything for the week, I had lost track of the fact that it's time for him to catch the bus. He's not even come down for breakfast yet. And now I become aware of a whoop, whoop, whoop from the ceiling above under his room. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And I race up the stairs and now I hear something like singing. And I throw open his door and there is my first grader jumping up and down on his bed in his underwear, swinging his pants over his head. <laughs> And he's singing, and he's kicking, and he's dancing, and I lost it. And I said to him, what do you think you're doing? And he stopped jumping, and he gave me a big smile, and he said, Mom, don't you think getting dressed in the morning ought to be more fun? I wish I could have told you that I said, you bet, son. <laughs> it's that childlike perspective. It's the power of thought. It's the spirit of humor. It's living amazed and amused. I hope that you'll join me this afternoon for those of you who have to rush off or maybe some of you are watching this on YouTube later. I'm actually going to be starting a course that you can look at later. Um, just go to spiritofhumor.com. But I hope the rest of you will join me as we learn things about how to experience more joy and the greater likelihood of humor and how to use humor to experience more manifestations and how to become a humor ninja by mastering things like humor Aikido. But if you can't, I encourage you to go forth and live amazed and amused. And I leave you with a piece that I wrote a number of years ago. But when I looked at it, it just felt in my heart like it was something that I could send you off with today. <sighs> to think with an amazed and amused mind. To love with an amazed and amused heart to live with an amazed and amused spirit. This is my wish for you today. To see the joy and wonder in a baby's first laugh or a loved one's last breath. To buy your ticket and take the ride. To ride the roller coaster with the wind in your hair or your heart in your throat. 
to delight in a child's giggle, a perfect cup of coffee, your favorite song on the radio, an unexpected windfall, a penny on the sidewalk, heads up for good luck, a falling star, a good joke, a smile from a stranger. To speed up, slow down, go backwards, whatever's required at that moment to keep yourself moving forward. To grasp the game of life, to play hard, win gracefully, lose honorably, and then get up to play again and again. To embrace seeming negatives, trusting that they will turn out for the best. To see the humor in life's absurdities. To be able to laugh at yourself. To have an attitude of gratitude and a forgiving spirit. To cast off resentment and regret. To practice acts of kindness, random or otherwise. To live each day amazed and amused. This is to experience true success. This is to experience lasting significance. This is to experience genuine happiness. And so it is. Karen, you rock. You totally rock. That was 